Well, Happy New Year. Man, it's great to be here with you. We are getting launched into a, a new calendar year. It's going to get weird to have to remember to write 17 on the end of all those dates, right? And uh, so we are here. It is 2017 as we are launching in and second Sunday already in 2017. And uh, just excited to see what God's going to be doing. And uh, so as we get started this year, we're actually launching a uh, sermon series today that's going to go nine weeks. And uh, so to start the series out, let's just kind of throw back to a story from way back about 20 years ago in Jonah's and my life. It was a, a date night that we went out, and uh, it was a horrible date night, actually. We went out for a date night, and uh, we went to this artistic restaurant, this real expressive, aesthetic restaurant, and uh, so they had all different kinds of paintings on the wall, and, and uh, we had only heard about it on the radio, and so when we showed up, we were kind of surprised. All the tables are super close together. I mean, super close together. So like, I'm sitting across from my wife at this little two-person table, and like, literally six inches away is the next couple, right? And so you learn a whole new practice skill set of beginning to whisper whatever you're saying as you're leaning across and you're like, how are you doing, baby? <laughs> right? And so we're having one of those evenings and the meal we ordered was kind of a strange, different meal. I won't even go into uh, the food issues that we had. And uh, I will just summarize that night with one word. There is one word that when we bring it up, we both start cracking up and we recall the evening perfectly. That word is this, Stephen, <laughs> apparently that was the dude's name next to us. <laughs> and some six inches away from us as we're sitting there, as this woman is talking and there's some cross-cultural experience going on, there was foreign language and other things happening, but there were repeated moments of her talking to him where she would say, Stephen, da 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 Stephen, Stephen, and right, can you imagine? Literally six inches away, where you kind of want to reach over and touch someone's hand and go, are we okay? <laughs> right? It was like this heated stuff all night. Stephen! And then da, da, da. Stephen! And we're whispering across. So all the way home, of course, we had to say, Amen. right? And from now on, whenever we mention Stephen, we are remembering a horrific date of years ago and whatever was going on between this couple, I guarantee you this, she had a plan. She was trying to get something accomplished. She was trying to control him along the way, used his name prolifically, and uh, thought that might get the job done. What's the point? Um, can we just say that's not prayer? That is not prayer where we sit across from God and we throw his name at him repeatedly, forcefully even, somewhat demandingly, asking all that we want, and God this, and Father, and Father, and Lord, and Lord, and God, and God, and God. Amen. And then we walk away. Everybody say, that's not prayer. That's not prayer, man. And uh, what that actually is, is control. And it affects you for 20 plus years. And uh, we can testify to that and uh, be careful with that, okay? So what is prayer? And that's what we're going to be going through in this series. We're going to be talking about, yes, prayer. What is it? What is the power of prayer? What is God's intent in prayer? How does this whole thing lay out in our lives? And how should we go after it? Man, here is my hope for this church. 
is that starting right now today, we start longing to be a praying church. That we start going into this saying, Lord, I cannot wait to see what it's like to be with you. And that that starts lighting us on fire in a way maybe we've never tasted before. And I'm just telling you, when you're like, hey, series on prayer, the typical response is, oh, good. (laughs) And uh, just so you know, that's because usually we just don't get what it is. We're doing it completely wrong. We're missing the point along the way. And we're missing all that God has for us. And so, man, my prayer, my hope is that we dive into this and say, Lord, shape my prayer for 2017. Lord, shape this church's prayer for 2017. We are ready to go after this with all we've got. Teach us, show us that you might be glorified. That's the plan, all right? So you've already heard Mike talking about a book that the uh, impact groups are going to be going through. And, and uh, just so you know, the author of that book, there's an, several of us on staff who have been at Moody in the Moody Grad School, and we have had this um, professor as our professor. He's a great guy. This book is phenomenal and a super strong book on prayer, very practical, very tangible book on prayer. I'm looking forward to this being a, a book study and a prayer study for the impact group going out throughout this winter spring. And man, this series is to launch it off and going, okay? That's where we're headed. So a quote for you as we get going here. Uh, Warren Wearsby said, prayer. It has been well said that prayer is not, everybody say not, it is not laying hold of God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. Prayer, it is not laying hold of his reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. See, all too often we think of prayer as, I need to go badger God to give me what I want or what I need. And if I badger hard enough, maybe he'll break down, right? And, and uh, that's not prayer. It isn't about the reluctance of God. It's about the willingness of God. He is looking to lavish into your life. He loves you with all he's got. He's got a plan for it. He wants to pour it on. What is that plan? It's this deep, participatory God pouring on in full willingness, lavishing into your life, communication with your God, prayer. It is not laying hold of his reluctance, it's laying hold of his willingness. And so we've titled this series, Laying Hold. Lord, help me to learn to lay hold. Lord, help me to learn what it's all about to grasp prayer. Maybe for the first time, maybe it's just refreshing from where I've already been. Lord, help me to lay hold. That's where we're going, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. We're going to start today talking about, yes, laying hold of prayer, laying hold of our weakness, laying hold of my weakness, bringing me to prayer because of my weakness. And uh, Lord, may that drive me to my knees, may that drive me before you, laying hold of our weakness. And uh, why do people get this wrong all the time? Why is prayer often understood as badgering God? Well, quite frankly, it's because... um, A, we want things and we come to them in the midst of crisis, and uh, that's a different issue. And uh, B, because we've heard certain stories from Scripture, certain parables, like 
the, the parable where it's told, uh, the woman comes and just bangs on the door, asking repeatedly until finally the king gives, right? And so we know that parable, and it's teaching to pray always. And just so we know, though, if you take that parable and you say, so God is the reluctant giver, we've missed the point of the parable, Right? The point of the parable is, may we come passionately. It says right after it, how much more will your God who loves you give? See, the parable is showing a reluctant human being, but God is so willing. That's what we're supposed to be getting out of it. And the parable is, quite frankly, messed up a lot of traditional uh, church prayer. And uh, I grew up in that traditional church and uh, missed the point for a lot of years. And uh, just so you know, that parable that I just told you there is actually verses 1 through 8 of Luke chapter 18. That's the predecessor to the parable we're looking at today, all right? And so, yes, he just got done saying, pray always. Man, come with this sense of passion and purpose to it. And, but now he's talking about the attitude behind it and is laying hold of our weakness in the midst of it. All right, so here we go. If we're going to go after prayer, if we're going to lay hold powerfully, First point, approach your God with open eyes and a worshipful heart. Uh, Approach your God with open eyes and a worshipful heart. It starts out, he, Jesus, told this parable to some. He told this parable to some of the people. This was not intended for all. This was intended for some. Everybody just say some. Which some? Well, he tells us right after it. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Oh, so really nice people, right? The kind of people who are walking around and they're like, I am so awesome. And uh, God, you kind of owe me. You wouldn't believe what I have accomplished, right? The arrogance rolling off of them and then the contempt for those around them. Just so you know where there is pride festering in the soul, you will have contempt for those around you. You will look down on others as you try to look up on yourself, all right? And uh, those two go hand in glove. And uh, he says here, he was telling this parable to some amongst him who thought that they were righteous. Jesus had a full awareness that they were standing before Jesus saying, I'm awesome, right? And so Jesus had this parable to share. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. So as he's starting to tell the story, you can imagine they're like, okay, temple, getting it, right? Two men go up into the temple to pray. He says, one was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, just so we are understanding, the tax collector was kind of like the lowest of the low in their society, and the Pharisee was kind of the highest of the high. People respected the Pharisee as being somebody who had his act together and kind of religiously knew who God was and was going after him correctly. The tax collector was one who was going after himself. Lots of greed, uh, really had sold out away from Israel and was headed for just money and personal gain. And uh, so being able to say that these two were the two going in the temple was a bit shocking as he was to tell the story Uh, It would have caused a little bit of a rumble amongst them. And uh, so there were two men that went to the temple, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And there would have been the, oh, oh, kind of a response. 
this sort of, are you serious in it? And so think that way as you're hearing it, all right? And uh, here we go. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector. This is unusual, right? Here we go. The Pharisee standing by himself, uh, most likely because he looked down on all those around him and thought, I better separate from them. I'm so awesome, right? The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you. Let's just stop there. So just so we're clear, a great start to prayer is thank you. And uh, Lord, thank you for who you are. And God, thank you for, and then you start filling in the blanks for all that he's doing for you. A great portion of prayer is the thank you, okay? And so he starts out, it sounds actually pretty good in the first few words. God, I thank you. But I am not like other men. And we just took a hard left turn, right? This has no longer become a prayer. This is now a bragging. Lord, I thank you that you have made me so awesome. I thank you that I really have my act together. I thank you like I'm not like them, those people. Lord, I thank you that I am really like none other out there. And then he gives the list. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Extortioner. That means somebody who uses their words to try to end up getting someone to give them things they shouldn't. They're stealing, but they're using words to do it, okay? There's a challenging with word. There's a, an integrity fault through and through. They're using their language as well as their actions to steal. The unjust, man, whatever they do, whatever they're a part of, it's just not the things that honor God. They're just not righteous at all. Adulterers, people who have decided, yes, I've committed to a life with my spouse, but oh well, I'm going to go out and be with somebody else physically, sexually. And adulterers. And, uh, and then he says some killer words. Or even like this tax collector. And I got to tell you, it really didn't even jump out at me, but that word this needs to crush you. And I, when I was going through it in the original language, the word this is so prominent there. Even this tax collector. As if he was sort of saying, what's he doing in this temple? What's he doing here at all? Thank you, I'm not like him. For crying out loud. And if you actually go back and look at the list now, things that a tax collector might be, extortioner, unjust, uh, adulterer. These are probably the sub-pieces that would make up a tax collector, right? And then in the end, it's the overall of the guy who now is stealing this money from Israel and has such a disdain for God and all other people, this tax collector. I'm Thank you, I'm not like him. And to notice, this Pharisee is looking at something about himself. He's looking at the outward actions. That's what he's looking at. In fact, we get a little tip to that in the next moment. As he's looking at the outward actions, he says, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. Just so you know, this is a lame prayer. Okay? Everybody just say it's a lame prayer. It's always helpful when we say those things out loud because you might be going home like, is this how I'm supposed to pray? And the answer is a no. Okay? 
Like, we don't start out with, God, thank you that you've made me so awesome. Okay, we don't start out with that. We don't start out with, God, what's with them? As we pray down accusation and judgment on others. And uh, these are misses in a prayer. And as he's coming in, he's coming in very happy about himself. Look at how he's measured himself. I fast twice a week. There's a couple of times a week where I actually give up food. And uh, I think there's an implication in this, by the way, that he's also praying during that time. There's some prayer and fasting connection that goes on. And so he's like, God, look at how dedicated I am to you. Me and my fasting laying it on the line for you. And, and then of all those things people give me, man, I always take a tenth and I give that back to you. Look at my actions. I am righteous. And uh, maybe let's put it in other words. This is what he's saying. God, I'm coming to you and standing in your presence because I deserve to be able to. My actions are good enough that you should want to be with me. And uh, yikes. Be careful with the getting all high and mighty in our own actions and our own successes. And uh, man, this tax collector has something that this Pharisee doesn't. And we're going to see this tax collector roll it out in just a second. The Pharisee is seeing himself by his external measures. Then it starts verse 13. But, and uh, if there was uh, ever a word you watch out for in Scripture, watch for the word but. The contradiction brings such a stark nature to what's going on. And so this guy has come with all of his arrogance, all of his bragging, all of his confidence in his external behaviors, but. So the next guy is coming with the opposite. It says, but the tax collector, standing far off. And uh, if you notice there, it says standing far off, meaning like here's the temple, Here's the altar up front, and he's like, I don't even warrant being over there. God, I, 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 I'm just, I'm darkening the door of the temple to talk with you, but I'm not even going to approach the altar standing far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He would not even lift his eyes up. He was like, I don't, I don't. Who I am inside does not warrant that I even look to you. I look down before you. Father, hear my prayer. This is the tax collector. Would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, hey, that's the same way the other guy started out. Be merciful to me. We're going to talk about that phrase a little bit more in the next point. Be merciful to me. Literally, Lord, may your mercy shine down. And I don't deserve this, but here's what I'm asking. Will you treat me? Will you forgive me? of my sin. He is entering in and he is fully aware of all that is inside of him and all that is broken in him. 
He isn't coming with the list and saying, okay, here's what I've accomplished. He's coming in and he's saying, here's where I'm missing. God, please forgive me. I come before you a sinner. Huge moment of absolute humility. Have you ever been before your God praying and you beat your chest? Where you're literally doing this. Lord, he is so aware of his shortcoming before his almighty God. Hear me. This is the beginning of prayer. We will actually start to pray when we grasp the bigness of our God and the smallness of us. When we grasp the greatness and the perfection of our King and my desperate need. Dude, that's going to light up some prayer. And uh, as we begin to lay hold of our weakness, it brings us rushing to the throne room in dependence on him. And all of a sudden, that bossy, commanding, demanding prayer stops because we have perspective. And God is being glorified. Man, we have a huge privilege to come before our God as we recognize our weakness and we recognize his strength. And uh, sadly, our prayer, especially in America, is almost always motivated primarily by the size of the problem. And the bigger our problem, the more our prayer starts to light up. However, we may not have the right attitude in the prayer, but at least we're beginning to bring the prayer. God, will you please? And then we fill in the blank with whatever is concerning us. And uh, the big problem brings us to our prayer. Just so you know, that's really not actually a biblical moment. And I'm not saying it's wrong to bring our problems to our God. Absolutely, yes. But the reason we come to our God is not the size of the problem. It is the size of our God. Our big God That's why we come to him. We come to him because he has it in hand. We come to him because he is unbelievable. Now, Lord, what's your perspective on this problem? And we lay it before him. Laying hold, and it's going to require us to do a couple things, and so I just wrote these lists down first. Laying hold of his greatness. How do we do it? Laying hold of his greatness. Three things we need to recognize. Number one, laying hold of his greatness, number one, he is all-knowing. He knows everything, and let's not make that some cold, factual information. And so, a quote of Andrew Murray, my father sees, he hears, and he knows. He is fully invested into your life, deeply, passionately, personally. He is all-knowing. Do you believe that? See, it's easy for us to go, I'm not even sure if God gets this. All of a sudden, our prayers become informative, right? God, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, but here's what I'm going through right now. Like, are you aware of, right? He knows. We can take the informing off the table, right? 
Our God knows. He is all-knowing. Second, he is all-loving. He is all-loving. And uh, God is love. Not God is love sometimes. Everybody say, not that. God is love. So that means in every single moment, in every single way, as God moves and reacts and acts, he is acting with love. And uh, you're like, I'm not sure how I process that based on what I'm going through. I'm telling you, we might need to change our definition of love. Because we might equal love to comfort or no pain. That's not God's view of love. He does have a perfecting love that walks us through tough things at times and he grows us. And all of God's people said, I'm telling you, if we don't grasp that, we won't grasp what God's doing. God does love you. He loves you with all he's got. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. And then third, he is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. In fact, Ephesians 3 tells us he'll do, he can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think. Man, you think of the greatest solution to the problem. God's like, that's nothing. You should see what I'm thinking about doing here. Right? God, he is all-powerful. He can rock your world with what he can do. In other words, as you come to your God, know this. He knows what you're going through. He cares that you're going through it. And he can make a difference. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is all-powerful. That is why we come to our God. All right? That's laying hold of his greatness. Now, laying hold of our weakness. Laying hold of our weakness. Um, I'm just taking these straight out of the book. Uh, this Journey to Victorious Praying book. And uh, so these are four elements that we need to lay hold of. They're in the first couple of chapters. And uh, lay hold of your, number one, fear. Lay hold of your fears. Man, whatever is gripping you and making you afraid, just so you know, normally when we get afraid, we begin to control, Okay. So instead of getting afraid and controlling where we're trying to keep it all in our hands, now let your fear drive you to your knees. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm trusting in you. I'm, let your fear drive you to prayer with your God. And uh, that was a huge point in the book. He also said your anxieties, these things that are causing nervousness and worry and consuming you, taking up your sleep, man, hand those over. In the moments those things are unwinding you, learn to be able to turn that into a, oh God, and then share with them. By the way, not wrong at all to share what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Lord, here's where I'm at. The presumption of God knows so I don't have to say it. There is a lot that happens when we begin to share. Lord, I know you know this. Here's where I'm at. I'm just being real with you. I'm telling you. You don't want to hear this maybe, but I'm telling you. When you verbalize, and hear me now, actually saying it out loud. Don't just say it in the quiet of your soul. Actually say it out loud. You will be shocked how many times the thing you're wrestling with starts bringing you to tears when you start saying it out loud to him, God, here's what's worrying me. Here's what's consuming me. Your welling up emotions start pouring out and you get a very transparent share with your God. Man, let your fear, let your anxieties drive you to your God. Third, your temptations. Man, do you have a sin you're struggling with? 
And uh, let's put it into a modern day setting. Let's talk about the temptations of today. And uh, Do you have a group of friends that's challenging you to laugh at the wrong things? Let's start small. Laugh at the wrong jokes. Use the wrong language just so you fit in. Are you being pressed to separate from your God just so you can be a part of a crew? Or maybe there's some actions they're going to be a part of and go after that are just not cool. Are you hurtful to somebody else around you just so that you don't have to be the one left out? Let's keep escalating. Are you investing yourself personally into sins that are eating you up and blowing you up? Is your use of alcohol becoming absolutely out of control? Scripture's super clear. Do not be drunk with wine. Man, if you can't handle that, set it down and be done with it. That's it. And uh, How's your use of the computer? What images are you seeing that you should not be seeing? What accountability do you need to get in place? What times of the day do you need to stop being on the computer or your phone? Hear me now. Now that we've all got smartphones, watch yourself. Guys, watch yourself. Do not let a very natural, sexual, visually stimulated drive that God has given, hear me, God has given that, do not let that eat you up where you go for images that will not satisfy and that will pull you away from your God. Do not go there. And uh, man, your God knows what you're going through. Share with them. Let those temptations, whatever they may be, call you to your knees before your God. And every moment you are tempted to go after something, turn it into a worship prayer. Can you imagine the satanic press down on your soul? Go look at that again. And you're like, oh, time to pray. I think it's not going to be long until they're like, stop telling him to go look at that. Stop calling up this temptation to go be or do. It keeps making this one a worshiper. Let your weakness call you to your God who has strength. And all of God's people said, man, lay hold of your weakness. This is a huge moment uh, that the author brings out in the book that we're seeing in this passage. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He has come to his God in his weakness. You see, all too often we come to our God hoping to have finally cleaned it up enough that we're not so ashamed when we're in front of him. Dude, that's not actually what we're seeing modeled. Come with it a train wreck mess and hand it to your God and watch him do a work. Okay? That's prayer. Bring it to him with all you've got. What do we pray? Here's another quote from the book. The key is to ask God what he wants you to pray. What's he stirring you to pray? Allow this to be an interaction between you and your God. God, what do you want me to pray about this temptation, this fear, this hurt, this anxiety? God, what do you want me to share? Lord, here's where I'm at. I want this done. I'm going to talk to you about it. Give me a verse, a passage, a thought. I want to bring this to you. Lord, may I pray for someone else who's hurting in this time and get my mind off of me, whatever it might be. Lord, shape what you'd want me to pray. Allow your weakness to drive you to your knees and let God lead in the midst of your conversation with him. All right. So um, this week has been a, a very tough week for our family. 
Uh, this has been a lot of transition for us. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to look at you. I'm coming over here. So this has been a tough week for our home. And uh, we have dropped off our youngest daughter at college. So we are now empty nesters as of uh, last Monday. And uh, so we dropped Alyssa off. She uh, is a freshman at Taylor University. And uh, Megan is coming into her senior year at Taylor University. And so uh, they're both at the same place. Praise God for that. But uh, we went to drop Alyssa off at college this week. And, um, you know, she's super ready, super capable, super skilled uh, in, in what she's doing. And so as we were dropping her off, um, we were uh, just getting everything set up. And then we're starting to think, she's super not ready. She, I, I don't want to do this. I'm just telling you there's something unnerving and unnatural about caring for a kid for 18 years and then going, see ya. There's something wrong with that. And for those of you who have dropped off, off, dropped off kids before, you know what I'm talking about. And, and you go through this moment where I'm telling you we're like, we're supposed to not be doing this. I can't tell you why. Just forget the whole thing. And uh, your emotions start welling up and we're saying goodbye. It's the end of the day. We know she has to go to dinner with her wing. And so we're praying for him. We got Megan there as well. And, and so the four of us are praying and Jonna starts out and starts to pray and then starts to cry. And then Alyssa wells up with tears and starts to cry. And it's done, man. Um, I'm starting to cry. And uh, we each pray over the kids and pray for Lissa and pray for her strength and long for the best to happen for her as we're handing her off. And um, God, we're trusting you in this. There was never a better time to start the prayer ser series for us. And uh, this has been super uh, important for us this week. And uh, as we're saying goodbye and she's wiping the tears and wanting to, you know, be able to present herself to the hallway as we're beginning to walk out. Um, and I'm looking at her, I pull her in close and I give her a great big hug and I'm like, baby, I love you. Anytime you need to talk, I love you, right? And, uh, and then I turned to Meg who we dropped to college. You know, we went through this with her three, four years back and, and, and the, the pain of it and, and, you know, and I see her standing there, I'm like, all right, see you, Meg. <laughs> It bothered me. I'm not kidding. On the way home, I'm like, why don't I care? <laughs> and, I, and I started to get more comfortable with, you know what? You get used to the fact that they can handle it. You get good with the situation they're in. You, you, you understand more of their strengths and what they need. And <laughs> so I love Megan. Everybody say that. I love Megan, and I love Alyssa, and honestly, it's great to see them thrive and grow, and it broke our hearts when we were dropping Meg off, and we had the weep sessions, and this has been a hard week of dropping Alyssa off and going empty nester, and for all of you who are wiping your eyes in this room and have dropped off kids yourself, you know what I'm talking about, and what's the point? Hear me. That is so much like the Father working with us. And knowing that there's situations we need to go through. And knowing there's things that are going to grow us. And knowing there's a plan along the way. And he longs to hear from us in the midst of the process. And the beauty of it is God can do so much more than we can. Man, our little human father relationship. So much more. Our God father relationship. 
his passion for you, his hunger for what you're going through, his understanding of what you're in. He longs to hear from you in the midst and he longs to be able to care in. He knows exactly what the needs are. Here's the thing, man. He literally is able to say, this one needs a much more tender moment. This one is doing great right here, right now. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows you. He loves you. And he can pour all power into your life situation. Trust in your God. And all of God's people said, man, hear me on this. Prayer. Allow your weakness to stir you to come on your knees before your Father and worship Him with all you've got. So simple question. And how's your worship? How is your humble prayer? How is your recognizing your brokenness and your weakness and your need for a Savior? Come to your King. He loves you. All right? Number two. Heed the call for humility. Heed the call for humility. Now, before we jump into verse 14, I want to go back to verse 13. It says, the, the tax collector said here, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful. Let's go back and let's talk about that in the original language. This is what it actually says. It says, propitiate for me. Okay, that word is a huge word. It means pay the price for me. So when it says be merciful here, it's capturing the heart of God. But the action or the work of God is cover for me what I cannot cover. Will you pay for me what I cannot pay? That's what the tax collector prayed. Cover me in a way I cannot cover. Please pay for me in a way I cannot pay. Be merciful. Give to me what I cannot give and what I do not deserve. Be merciful to me, a sinner in need of a Savior. Look at Jesus' response. I tell you this. This man went down to his house justified. Don't miss that word. That is a huge word in the Christian walk. We're told in Romans 5.1 that we are justified freely by our faith. And what does it mean to be justified? It means that God declares over you what he is now going to do in you. It means he has started something where legally he has managed the process and now practically he will start leaning into your life and transforming. Justification. It is a point where God has said, this one is holy. And yet they're not actually holy yet. So he's treating them as holy legally, but he's going to be bringing them along the way to holiness in his work in their life. Man, hear me when you come to your God and you're like, I'm a broken sinner. Trust me, God's answer is, I know. Right? We're not informing him of information there. I have declared over you something I'm going to do in you. You come to me. You watch me work. Do not focus on what's broken. 
you hear me, focus on me. I will do a work in you that will be amazing. I have declared you justified. That's our God, man. That's our hope. We do not deserve that. And that's what we get from him. It should cause us to drop to our knees weak as we begin to grasp the greatness of our God. The one who walked away justified was the one who simply said, please be merciful to me and give me what I do not deserve. Pour on your salvation. And the thing that they didn't know at the time they heard this is as Christ was telling this story and he says, please pay for me. Jesus was going to the cross to pay for them. Our hope is in Jesus on the cross. And all of God's people said, and man, as we go to our knees in prayer, it is thank you for your work on the cross. Please hear me. The Pharisee walked in and he said, thank you, I'm awesome. Our prayer as we walk in is, thank you, you're awesome. Thank you that you've gone to the cross. Thank you that you've paid the price. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You have declared me righteous, just. I don't deserve that. Work in my life. Take this sickness, this disease of sin and heal it. Take this temptation and get rid of it. Take this fear and fix it. Take this anxiety and be done with it. I'm giving it to you. I will not handle this alone. I will give it to my God. And all of God's people said, man, lay hold of your weakness. It is amazing how it affects you. He says, I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. I'm just telling you, we really don't want to hear God say to us, just so you know, I'm going to humble you on that one. Like, you don't want to hear those words, man. It says, God opposes the proud. May we not stand in prideful, selfish, self-absorbed self-righteousness. May we recognize our brokenness and stand before our God who gives us hope. It says, who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Please notice this. The exalting is not your work. The exalting is God's work. The humbling is your work. Place yourself at the feet of Jesus. Humble. You are awesome, God. I am not. And I come before you in need of a Savior. Man, may our weakness be a reminder, a power call to worship. Every time you get a sense of your brokenness, don't let it push you away from God. That's the whisper from the pit of hell. He's judging you on that. That's the whisper from the pit of hell. He's judging you on that action. Instead, coming the other way and saying, God, what's going on with this brokenness? May you please take this. May this be my moment of coming before you and confessing and thanking. And uh, All right, one more list for you real quickly. Prayer is coming in 
Here's our attitudes. Ready? Prayer is coming in helplessness, not independence. Helplessness, not independence. True prayer does not come before God saying, God, I've really done this one well. It's God, I need you. Helplessness, not independence. Second, confession, not presumption. Lord, please forgive me. Not, Lord, you owe me. Right? Lord, please forgive me. Not, Lord, you owe me. Transparency, not lying. And be real with what you're feeling. I was taught this growing up that, that uh, you should always just say it the way it is. And uh, the problem is, um, when we try to say things that are truthful, we may be ignoring what's actually in our soul and what we're hurting on and what we're languishing on. And now we're not laying it before him. And we're trying to say, God, you've got it all. And deep inside, we're like, I don't know if you've got it all. Know yourself well enough to be able to say, God, I'm really wrestling with do you have it all. Be able to voice that out. I'm not saying disrespectful. I'm saying transparent, real. You're going to be stunned at how much more effective your prayer becomes. And, um, and then last, uh, dependence, not demand. Lord, whatever you do here, I'm good with. Here's my request, but whatever you do. Dependence, not demand. And come to your God like that. And um, I'll just say it this way, prayer. As air is to breathing, as air is to physical life, so prayer is to spiritual life. Man, we have to breathe spiritually. We have to thank our God that's breathing it in. And we have to confess out, Lord, please forgive. The spiritual breathing of prayer, worship before your God. Longing for him to have his way. I'm telling you, hear me on this, you are a spiritual being. You are. And so a spiritual conversation with a spiritual God from a spiritual being is essential. Do not get over caught up in this physical world. It's easy to get distracted in this physical world and make it all about the physical and we start managing our own lives. You are a spiritual being talking to a spiritual father and your spiritual communication is prayer. Man, here's my longing for you in 2017. May your weakness drive you to your knees. May your eyes be lifted up to the greatness of your Father. And may there be a dependence on him like never before. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, hand it to him and let God move. It is time for this church to be wrecked with prayer. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. That's what we say in our pillars. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. Now it's time to be it. It's time to go after it. Here's my request this week. Will you commit this week to saying, Lord, every day there will be a time of spiritual breathing and worship with you. There will be a time of prayer where I am thankful 
and I am confessing out. I am coming before you broken, but you declare me justified. I claim that. Have your way with me now. I'm ready, God. And I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm ready. Dude, that is a killer prayer. Just make that your prayer, if that's it alone this week, and then start down the path of what needs to be let go of. Where can you thank your God? Let him rock your world. Man, let it be that you start breathing spiritually. And all of God's people said. And if you're like, hey, I'm not sure what to do with the word and where to go with that, use our reading plan if you've got nothing else. And be walking the reading plan each day and just a little bit from that will tell you what to be thankful for, what to hand over. May your God get your all. And all of God's people said...